Well, good morning, everybody. Um, to go along with the testimony thing, I had a, an employee. I thought this was the coolest thing. He um, had a grandfather that uh, passed away. Hey, hello. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Oh, <laughs> I thought, like, what's going on? <laughs> Children's church. Go with Marianne. Oh, my Lord. Like, what in the world? I was like, sheesh. Yeah, go, go with Miss Marianne. If you, I, don't, I don't know what ages it is. Whatever ages, go with the Children's church. Um, yeah, so one of, my, one of my employees, his granddad, um, I'm sorry, his wife's granddad passed away and, and a very godly man. And he would go through every single year and he would read his Bible and he would get a brand new Bible. And so what he would do is he would think about his children and his grandchildren and he's doing that. And he would go through as he's reading the Bible and he's reading the word and he would write notes and revelation that he had to his children. So he even had this one son, um, the story was like he was like a foster kid or something like that and kind of had, had gone away and and he even even did one for him and so they invited him to come to the funeral and he gave it and like he wrote out I can't remember what like you know his name was Ted or whatever and it's just like Ted like John three sixteen like Ted God this is how this is how God sees you this is what God did for you and he did that for every one of his kids and grandkids like what a cool thing to do you know right just to take him just to one, read through the Bible every year. That's a, that's a big thing in and of itself. Um, but let alone go through and make notes for your kids and grandkids. So awesome. It's awesome you guys are, are doing that. And um, was there anybody not here last weekend? Is everybody here? Okay. All right. So um, real quick, I just, because there's going to be, a, like we, you've heard us talk about this past weekend. And I'm going to reference past weekend a lot. Um, so what last weekend was, am I good, man? Am I holding this up? You're right. Um, so we had uh, Jillian, our daughter, over there, raise your hand. So she's going to be a part of an organization called Circuit Riders. And one of her leaders, um, extremely gifted in worship, extremely gifted in evangelism, came. And last weekend, so he led us through um, some nights of worship. Honestly, um, taught our worship team like a ton of stuff. Like I feel like we're such a better worship team now. And, and honestly, like we're, I just felt so much this morning. Like what we experienced last weekend, what we experienced, like we're never going back to what it was before. And so like, you just got to get used to it. Like, can I be like, we're honest, like you just got to get used to it. Like our worship services are going to be longer. Like we're, we're just not going back. And it's not like, uh, not that anything was bad before, but like we're just at a different level now. And so he came and he taught us last, last weekend in evangelism. And so we had last uh, Saturday morning where we, he taught us some practically of how to share the gospel in 90 seconds or less using the five gospel. Then we actually went downtown Spruce Pond to the Alien Festival and we shared the gospel. Um, so when you hear us talk about last weekend, his name was Zach and hear me reference it in my message. That's what we're talking about. Um, a couple of cool testimonies. I don't think it's top. Yeah. Tyler, you there, right, man? Hey, so, um, so last, uh, Sunday morning, um, Zach is actually just doing this mock presentation of, of the gospel and and Riley, Ryan feels like, hey, actually, this is for somebody, I believe. So he kind of starts talking to the crowd. And, and then uh, Tyler, back there in the back, he sends Ryan a text like, hey, man, that was me. Like, I want to give my life to Christ. And so Ryan calls him up and or I guess texts like, hey, do you want to do it over the phone? You want to come do it in person? He's like, man, I want to do it in person. So said, bro, I just honor you. I honor you, man, that you came and he stood here Sunday night. <laughs> he stood here Sunday night in front of everyone and gave his life to Christ. Like, how many services have you been in where the pastor's like, and everybody close your eyes and you'll bow your head, like nobody looking around at all. Like, if you want to give your life to Christ, like kind of raise your hand a little bit so, you know, people kind of barely see you. Like, you know, like, and he like went full on it. Like, you're standing up here with Ryan. Man, I just honor you, bro. That's awesome. So a salvation last weekend. 
Um, we also had um, last Sunday night, we have a, a young lady that we do life with. She goes to the bridge and she was here um, Sunday night and we prayed for her several times. She has really bad gallbladder issues. Honestly, need, needed to, I'm gonna say needed to, have her removed, but it was like 30 grand to have a surgery and like a $9,000 deposit just to get on a waiting list. And of course, they're a young couple. Like, I mean, I don't have $9,000. I'm, I'm an older couple. And $9,000 just to, to you know, put on a deposit is crazy. And so, so she suffered for a long time with this. And so we saw her Wednesday night. And honestly, I, I, I kind of forgot that she even had the gallbladder stuff. And, and so I saw her up here again prayer. And I saw her Wednesday night. I'm like, hey, how you doing? Just ask. It's like, I'm so awesome. Like, I've eaten normal this week. I'm like, oh, that's great. And like, it didn't register. It's like, this past week was so awful. Every time I'd eat, I, was get, I would get so nauseous. So I didn't eat a whole lot. But I got prayer. And actually, what she said, even during worship, she said, I, I felt like somebody hit my gallbladder. I don't, I don't know where your gallbladder is. Like, it's a, I, I sell mattresses. Like, I don't, I don't know anatomy. I don't have a clue. Um, but she said she felt like somebody like, just hit her gallbladder. And she's like, oh, that's, that's weird. And so then she got up and got prayer. And like I said, she's been completely normal, eat everything normal this past week and has been completely fine. <laughs> Amen. And so like, how many of you, you guys are like still in the overflow of last weekend? You guys still like, man, I'm, I'm still, man, it, it has been um, like, honestly, like a ton of just re-looking at and re-evaluating a lot of stuff in my life. Um, and so today I want to talk to you guys. We're going to go into Acts chapter 2. Um, I left last weekend, and the thing that I came away with is like, I don't feel like I was challenged enough. Do you guys, do you guys there? Like, I was like, I don't know that I was challenged enough last weekend. Like, I'm, I'm joking. It was super challenging. Um, and so I want to start in Acts chapter 2. Um, after Saturday's evangelism training and time, I woke up Saturday morning just super, or Sunday morning, sorry, super stirred just to get back into the book of Acts again. And just to look at the early church and why they were so successful. And so I'm reading through, get through chapter one, and I get through part of the way through chapter two, and God just hits me just with like a ton of bricks with some revelation and stuff. And so I'll be honest with you, like I had like a really nice Father's Day message plan this morning. Like you guys are going to be like super blessed. You're going to leave like super encouraged. Like you're going to feel so secure in the Father's love and how much he cares about you. And that's not this morning's message. Like hey, today I'm here to challenge you and hopefully to empower you as well because it doesn't do a whole lot of good for me just to challenge you without empowering you, right? So we're going to look at, hopefully I'm going to challenge you. I think I'm going to challenge you a lot this morning because we need to be challenged, right? But we also need to be empowered to do the things we need to do. All right, so we're going to start here. Acts chapter 2. We're going to go start in verse 1. Give me one second. All right, 2 verse 1. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together and bewildered it because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these men who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that each of us hears them in our own native language? 
Perithians, Medes, and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Persia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they ask one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, they have had too much wine. Verse 14, then Peter stood up with the 11, raised his voice and addressed the crowd. So I'm reading last Sunday morning, I'm in Acts 2 and I get to verse 14 and it just hits me like a ton of bricks. And I'm not one of those. I, got, I know there's probably lots of you in here. Like every time you read the word, like you get these amazing downloads from heaven and this revelation, but that's just not me. Like if that's you, God bless you. Come and pray for me. Like you know, you like you read in Leviticus and you're reading like all these like ceremonial Jewish like eating laws, and you're like, oh, I got so much revelation on the the body of Christ from that. Like if that's you, I want you to come pray for me because that that's just not me. Like I read the word, and I believe I get transformed daily. Um, so, but last Sunday was a little bit different. I'm reading in Acts two, and I get to verse fourteen, and all of a sudden, God just just downloads so much to me. And he really just challenges me so much. We're going to read this again, Acts 2, 14. It says, Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. And it's actually in these first four words here in, this, in verse 14, Then Peter stood up. That hit me so hard. Like, to fully understand like, the significance of Peter standing up, like we got to go back 53 days earlier. It's 53 days earlier. Jesus has been betrayed by Judas. They've come and gotten him and taken him away. And in John 18, it says that Peter and John, they're, they're kind of watching from a distance. They're watching and seeing what's going on. And we all know, know the story. Peter, he's there in the courtyard. And this little girl comes up to him and says, hey, I know you. You're one of the disciples. You were with Jesus. And what does he do? He's like, that's right. I was with Jesus. He, he didn't do that, right? He was like, what are you talking about? Like, like scram, get out of here. And, and then we know like there's two other times where these men, they, they, they confront him. Hey, I, I know you. You were with Jesus. And, and he denies him, right? Three times he denies him. Like the rooster crows. We, we know the whole story. And so we see the same Peter that 53 days in advance stood up, 53 days prior, cowers. Like he's this coward. Yeah. Like if you look up the dictionary and the time, what the word coward is, there's, there's Peter's face. And it's not only just Peter, it's the other disciples as well. Because we have in John 20, just a couple of chapters over, it, it's, it's the night of Easter. And the disciples, they don't know that it's Easter. All they know is that Jesus' body has been taken. And so they get really scared because they're afraid that the Jewish leaders think, well, we took the body of Jesus. And they're going to think because we took the body of Jesus, they're going to come after us the way they came after Jesus. So it says they went and they locked themselves in a room in fear of what the Jewish leaders would do to them. So we then, this is resurrection night, Easter night. The, the guys have, have locked themselves in a room. 
I kind of like in my mind, I picture it like, you know, like those movies like where it's like super exaggerated and there's like 15 deadbolts and a lot of those slidey kind of things. That's how I picture like they're, they're there. And this is Jesus's first interaction with them. He comes walking right through all that. And it says that he stands in the midst of them, in the midst of these 10 disciples that are scared out of their mind, not sure what's going to happen. And he says, peace be to you. I've read some commentaries and they said that, that peace be to you is like a typical Jewish greeting. And maybe it was, but I don't think Jesus was giving them a typical Jewish greeting. I think Jesus walks into the room. He fills the atmosphere of fear. He fills the atmosphere of dread. He fills the atmosphere of panic. And he's, the only thing he can say is peace be with you. Right. And, and don't you love that about Jesus? Like the very first thing he says to them, these guys that have abandoned him, these guys that have betrayed him, these guys that he's just spent the past three and a half years pouring his life into, like Jesus had every right to say, you bunch of bozos, or where were you? Right? Like he had every right just to bless them. But what does he do? He says, peace be with you, because that's what they needed at the time. And so then we see Pentecost happen. And all of a sudden we find a very different Peter and the 11 other disciples. Yes. And there was something that Zach said last weekend that honestly, it, it shook me so hard and it brought so much conviction to my life that I've been just honestly been, honestly chewing on it all week long. Excuse me, I'm, this, is, this is bothering me. I'm sorry. I clean the church, and so seeing that kind of stuff on the floor just, just bugs me. I just, I just can't handle it. I can't handle it. <laughs> so something he said last weekend, like, really, really brought so much conviction, and honestly, it, it should all of us. You know, we would classify ourselves as a spirit-filled church, right? Like, most of you in the room right now would classify yourself as a spirit-filled Christian, meaning that you've received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you believe in all the gifts of the Spirit, the full manifestation of the Spirit. You love, well, you kind of love the manifestations of the Spirit if it doesn't get too weird and crazy. Um, probably most of you probably have received your prayer language. You pray in tongues and you, and you do it on a daily basis to get built up. And so you would consider yourself spirit-filled, right? right? I consider myself spirit-filled. What Zach said, though, and this is what hit me so hard, is like we cannot stop at the initial baptism, the speaking of tongues, that is not the full Acts 2 Pentecost experience. That is not it. But that's where most of us have stopped though. Like we've got, we've received that initial infilling. We love the gifts. We love all the gifts of it. But when it comes to later on into Acts 2, that's where we're like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know about that stuff. Like I love all the fun stuff. I love all the easy and convenient stuff. Man, I love tongues. Man, it makes me feel so good. I love it. But I believe it's in the first four words of Acts 2.14 that is the climax of our Pentecost experience. And Peter stood up and addressed the crowd. And I'm reading this this week and I'm going over this. And I don't know how you process scripture. I don't know how you think about stuff. But I'm thinking about this and I'm thinking what would have happened had Peter made the choice not to stand up? Like what if he had seen the crowd of 5,000 and he's looking out at them and he's like, my gosh, that's a lot of people. 
Like, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't like talking in crowds. Like, I'm not too good in standing in front of people. Like, I don't, I, I don't know if I can do this. I, I think I'm just going to play it safe and, and take it easy and, and just sit down and, and not address the crowd. Like, I know I'm supposed to, like I feel Holy Spirit lead me to. I'm, I just, I can't do it though. Like, what if he had done that? Like, it's easy to look on this side of Pentecost and say, well, well that would never happen. Like, God would never let that happen. Like, well, maybe he would or maybe he wouldn't. All I know is that Jesus said, on this rock, Peter, I'm going to build my church. Right. And I think about my experience last weekend at the Alien Festival going to evangelize. You know, I, come here Sunday, I come here Saturday morning. Zach does this amazing job of, of teaching us in evangelism. We go around and we practice it. Like, I'm feeling real good. Like, I'm feeling really, really good. So we're on the way there. Like I've got, like it's me, it's, it's Judah and it's Luke. So I got two young guys with me. So I'm going there and I'm like, I can't chicken out. Like I can't wimp out. I got these two 14 year olds. I don't know how old Luke is. These two 14, 15 year olds. Like I, I've got to do this. Like I can't chicken out. I got to show these guys that, that this is possible, that you can share the gospel with strangers. And so we're walking along and I see a group of people. I'm like, no, not them. I don't, I'm not feeling, I'm not feeling those people. No, Holy Spirit's not leading me to those. And we walk along and like, oh, not them either. No, no, their, their hair looked a little weird. I don't, I don't think so. So I think I'm like, all right, I'm going to, all right, I'm, I'm going to lead. I'm going to kind of play it safe. I'm just going to go up into the vendor booths. I'm going to wait to, you know, they're, they're not very busy. I'm going to go up to the vendor booths. That's a little more natural and easier. And that, I'll do it then. Like I'll, I'll share the gospel then. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be great. People are going to get saved. And I go to the very first booth. And I walk in, and like just complete fear grips me. And I choose comfort, and I choose safety, and I choose convenience, and I choose me not feeling weird or awkward over really loving the people that God put in front of me. And I did. I go in around and I, I prayed for some people, kind of thing, but like I never stood up. I never, I never did what Peter did. And like we're at, like we went to the Rhododendron Festival last night. Like my first time there, that was wild. Have you guys been there before? Anybody been to the Rhododendron Festival? It's crazy. You guys should go next year. It's wild. So we're there, I don't know, we were there till like, I don't know, 9, 30, 10 o'clock, something like that. And the crowd keeps being bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And I don't know, maybe, maybe a thousand, a couple thousand people there, something like that. And, and like this, this verse grips me again. I just feel like the Holy Spirit is like, would you... If I, if I asked you to get up and start preaching the gospel, would you? I was like, I don't, I don't know, Lord, if I would. It's like, honestly, I, I, don't, I don't know. Like, I have, I have no idea. And like, I'm thinking, like, what if Peter were like me? Like, what if Peter were like a lot of us that didn't even show up last weekend? Like, like what, what if? Like, would we, would we have the Apostle Paul? Like, would we have, would James, the brother of Jesus, be James, be James that writes the book of James in the Bible? Like, I don't know. Like, I hope so. And praise God, Peter stood up. Like, praise God, he stood up. Because if we're going to say that we're this spirit-filled church, like, we're going to say that we're spirit-filled believers, then we have to get past the fun stuff. We have to get past the initial indwelling, fun, baptism, Holy Spirit, gift stuff. And we have to stand up. We have to stand up and we have to start addressing the crowds. So after Pentecost, we see Peter going from this 
cowardly, like I don't know who Jesus is, kind of guy hiding behind doors, to this man that stands up in front of 5,000 people. He gives a simple three-minute message. It took me three minutes and eight seconds to, to, to speak that, preach that message. And here's what happened, verse 37. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And we all know the rest of the story, right? 3,000 people come into the kingdom that day. Glorious, glorious day. But here's the thing, is that always going to happen? Like, you know, like if we had the reassurance that every time I made the decision to stand up, somebody's going to get saved, like, I think I could have maybe an, easy, maybe an easier time to do it. I don't know. But, like, there's no guarantee in that at all. And, and the other 25, 26 of us that went out last weekend were going to tell you the same thing. Like, there's no guarantee in that because we didn't see a single salvation. Was the gospel boldly preached? Yes. I think Zach himself was like 20-something people he, he preached to. And Laura and Holly were like 12 different people. And, and lots of people were blessed. Lots of people were encouraged, but no one got saved. But I can't help but think that the father looked down from heaven and he's like, those are my kids. Like I'm so proud of them because they made the decision to stand up. They made the decision to go against awkwardness. They made the decision to come out of their comfort zone, out of inconvenience, out of apathy and lovelessness. And they said, you know, we're going to stand up. We don't know what this is going to look like, but we're going to stand up. They decided that, you know what, I'm, I'm going to go way past tongues and I'm going to go out. And I'm going to start preaching the gospel. And I got to brag on somebody. I got to brag on Kaylee Huffman. Kelly went out last weekend, scared to death like a lot of us. Had never done any kind of street evangelism before, scared to death. Was she successful at it? No, like all the rest of us. Like we did it, but like we didn't see anything at all. Here's, here's the cool part, and this is what I'm so proud of her over. So she's at Ingles this week. She's in line, talking to her cashier. How you doing? Ah, oh, cashier's like, oh, I'm just having a, oh, you know, it's a pretty crummy day, awful. And Katie's like, oh, okay. Like, all right, I mean, me to understand. I get it, I understand. So she goes out to her car. She's like, oh, why didn't I just tell her that Jesus loves her? Why didn't I do that? It's like, ah, I'll, I'll do it the next time. And so she's driving. And this is, this is, this is what's funny about it. She gets kind of lost in Spruce Pine. How do you get lost in Spruce Pine? I don't, I don't know. But she goes in the wrong lane. And, and she has to turn around and drive back Ingle, at Ingles again. And she's like, I'm, I, like, I'm going to do it. And so here's what she does. She, she pulls into Ingles. She goes to look at the cashier. The cashier's not there. Can I, can I be real honest with you? Probably every single one of us, if the cashier was out there, he'd be like, oh, thank God. Oh, praise God. Hey, I, listen, Lord, I did it. Like I did, I did what you said, I did it. She's not there, Lord, that's not my problem, that's yours. She's not there, she's not there. But Kelly didn't stop there. She went to look for this lady. She went to find her. She finds her in the produce section. She's like, hey, I just want you to know that Jesus loves you and he wants you to have a really great day. That's amazing, that's Kaylee standing up. I guarantee you that every single one of us were in the grocery store this week and we did not do that. 
time, church, to stand up. Listen, it's not, I'm not okay. I'm not, I'm not gonna say we. I'm not okay with, I can't be okay anymore with, with being okay with people going to hell. Can I be honest? Can I just be vulnerable? You guys know me like, I call myself hot. And I, it's not like, ooh, look at me. Like I'm honest, open, and transparent. My heart does not break for the lost. Like I'm, I'm contending, I'm crying out, God, break my heart for the lost. But I'm gonna be standing up here like my heart does not break for the lost. Like most of the time, my heart is not moved by people going to hell. Like, is that sin in my life? Yes, I recognize that as sin in my life. And I'm asking God, change me, help me. Like, I don't wanna be okay with that anymore. Like, I don't wanna be okay to be timid and, and not just love the person in front of me and just be a simple like, Jesus loves you. Like, I wanna be okay to say that and not be like gripped by fear. And I hope that we are as well. And so here's what, can I be, just be like, this is what I've been doing this week. God, am, have I really received the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Like I pray in tongues, but is that real? Because I'm not experiencing anything else. Like the boldness that I see, because I, I encourage every single one of you, go through Acts 2, 3, and 4 over and over and over and over and over. You see the bold, you see the transformation that happened in Peter's life. And I am not there. So I'm like, God, I need a fresh baptism in power. I want to be like Peter. Like, I want to be okay to go up to unsaved family members and not be ashamed to preach the gospel to them. Like, I want to go to the grocery store and feel like the Holy Spirit's leading me to talk to somebody and actually do it. And, not, and I know all of you do as well. So I challenge you, like I'm not saying that you, you haven't received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but if you're not doing the second portion of it, then you need to reevaluate that. All right, last thing I wanna look at, I wanna look at the last five verses of Acts 2 because here's what, here's what I believe. Acts 2 is Acts 2. The whole entire thing. These last five verses are so stinking easy to look over. Where am I at? Ooh, hold on. You guys have it up there? I think it's, I'll give you that. There we go. All right, Acts 2, 42. This is after Peter preaches, everybody gets saved. This is what it says. Then they devoted themselves, this is the early church, everyone that got saved. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. And the Lord added to their number daily, those who are being saved. What happens when the church goes into the home? The Lord added to those daily, those who are being saved. Is this fantastic? Absolutely. But if, but if we're going to have the full, the full Acts 2 Pentecost experience, we cannot forget the last five verses. What, what does this look like today? I'll be honest, like, I don't know. Like, I've been praying, God, what does this look like today? Because, of course, we, we live in a much, much, much different time than what they did, of course, back then. But I don't believe the principles have changed, though. 
But what does that look like? One thing I noticed in this is that the early church, they, they not only believed in the, the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, they not only believed in the preaching of the boldness, they believed, though, in coming together and really helping one another. Yep. But I, I'm looking at this, and honestly, I can't wrap my mind around selling everything I have and bringing it to the church so that everybody can have, have their needs met. Like, I can't, honestly, I can't wrap my mind around that. But they did it. And I'm not saying that we need to do that, per se, I'm saying, like, what do we have to do, though, to open our homes so that the Lord can add to the church daily those who are being saved? Like, it's going to be inconvenient? It absolutely is. Is it going to be easy at times? Absolutely not. It is not going to be easy. Is it going to inconvenience us? It's going to create a greater level of intentionality on all of our parts to do this. Because it's super easy to look at all the fun stuff. Like it's super easy to look at the gifts and the, and the manifestations of the Spirit. But like it's so easy to look over this and say, well, I just can't do that. Like I'm too busy. I'm too busy. I got too much stuff going on. Like, like we, we just can't open our home to whoever. But as I'm looking at this and, I, and I'm thinking about this, I'm like, all right, we got, I feel like this is like, like the whole Pentecost experience is like, like three separate. Like you've got the infilling You've got boldness, and then you've got supernatural love and community. Like, it's a mixture of all of those. They're all important. They're, and to me, they're all equally as important. And so what do we have to do? Like, and I don't, I don't know. One of the things that, um, as I've been praying this week about this, Laura and I, we have this um, super strong conviction in our lives. We've, we've kind of centered, um, honestly, everything we have around this is that revival starts in the family. And what that means is like, we don't expect Plumtree Church. We, we don't expect Ryan to raise our kids up in the things of God. Like it's, it's, my, it's my and Laura's responsibility. That's our greatest responsibility. Our great, you as parents, your greatest assignment is to raise up godly children. So our job we feel is to raise up world changers, history makers and revivalists. That's what we feel to do. That's why we feel revival starts in the family. But what I really felt the Lord challenging me this week is like, what if you've just, what if you've been limiting it to just that? Like, what if I've wanted it to be more than that? Like, what if it's way more than just your kids? Not that your kids aren't important, but what if it's way more than that? Like, what if, what, what if, like our homes became revival centers? Like, what, what if? Like we actually brought the gospel into our home more than just our family. Like what does it look like just to, to simply invite neighbors into your home? And I, I'm, I'm honest, like, I don't know what it looks like for us. Like we've never invited other than Terry and Debbie and Dave and Evelyn. And like we have, we have some neighbors like we've never had to our home ever. Like I don't know what that looks like just to call them up. And, and I know that sounds like, what do you mean, Mark? You just call them up. Like, well, that's not as easy as it, at least for me, it's not as easy as it, as it sounds. Um, I made the mistake, my la I don't, probably, I'm sure you, no one remembers my last message, but I made, talked about like loving people and reaching out. And, and so I leave the message and Laura's like, when are you going to do it? I'm like, shut up. <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, and so, um, can I just challenge you as well? Like some of you older couples that are in here that you don't have kids in the home anymore. Like we have a lot of single, we have a lot of single people in this church that need you. 
We, we have a lot of young married couples in this church that need what you have. They need what you have. I'm not saying that you can't care about your adult children and grandchildren, whatever, but there are a lot of people in this church, in this church, in this church right now that need what you have. Like we, we, we do, we're doing life with a, a couple, a younger couple. And it's been a few months back. We had this gathering at our house and, and Laura really felt, um, led to make like just a really good home cooked meal. And, and she made chicken pot pie, some green beans and stuff like that. Like, not that we eat that stuff a lot, but that's just like a normal meal for us. And they came to the Lord and they're like, we have not had a home-cooked meal in forever. I mean, they're, they're two young couples. They're, they're crazy busy. It's just those two. So like they eat out all the time or they eat like a lot of frozen meals kind of thing. So he had no idea like what just a home-cooked meal would do for someone, what that will unlock in them. Right. That's why you see them. They gathered around the table. It's the breaking of bread and fellowship. There's something happens when we come and we gather around a table. I don't know what it is, but there's something that happens. Amen. There's something that happens around food. And some of you, you need to open up your home and invite people in and just cook them a meal. I'll never forget it. We, we, we lost our very first child uh, to miscarriage. Pat and Martha had us over, simple cooked hamburgers, hot dogs with us. But that meant so much to us. We were in this hurting time and we had Terry and Debbie and that was phenomenal, but we needed somebody else. Like we needed somebody else other than our parents to reach out to us. And they did, they reached out and they brought us into their home and it meant so much to us because we were hurting. And there are people in here that are hurting and you are the answer. And it's just simply, hey, why don't you come over for dinner? Let, let me hear your heart on some stuff. Let me pray for you. Let me disciple you. Listen, we, we need spiritual parents in this church. We do. And some of you are the answer. And some of you are just sitting at home not doing anything. Like you're just sitting at home and you're like, what do I do? I'm like, well, raise up some spiritual grandkids. Like raise them up. Because we need it. Like I'm 45, I still need a spirit. I, need, I still need some kind of mentor in my life. And I need to be mentoring people. Like this part of Acts 2 right now may be the most important part of Acts 2. All right, so the last thing, and the, the Lord, this was, um, you guys are good? Everybody good? All right. So last part, like I was reading over this this morning, kind of meditating over this, and maybe this is just for me. I don't feel that it is. Um, so I'm reading over Acts 2 again and thinking about my message. Um, and Hebrews 11 comes to mind. You know, Hebrews 11, it's, it's, the, it's the kind of the, the faith heroes throughout the Bible. I want to look at the last couple of verses in this. We're going to start Hebrews 11:35. I says, there were others who were tortured, refusing to be released so that they might gain an even better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawed in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskin and goatskin, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. And the world was not worthy of them. And we read all these stories, um, praise God, this is, this is not here. We read, read these stories overseas, especially in the Middle East, uh, China. 
we've all heard them where uh, where Christians are being are being tortured, they're being persecuted, they're being killed because of their faith. And I, and I think about my experience, and and, and hopefully, hopefully. Um, that we have the grace that we never have to experience that ourselves, that none of us are ever tortured and we have to, like we're, we're truly faced with a decision, like I either deny Christ or, I mean, I either, either like I don't deny Christ and I live. And I think most of us would like to think, like if we're put in that situation, like if, if I were to be in that situation, like of course I wouldn't deny Christ. But I think about myself and I think about how I'm, I'm too scared to take 90 seconds and to share the gospel with somebody. Like, I really hope. I, I really, really hope if it came to that, like this life and death thing that, that, I, that I wouldn't chicken out. But I have to, but like, if, like, if we're too scared, like if we're too afraid and fear grips our heart when it comes to 90 seconds of being awkward, like, are we really, are we really going to say, I'm willing to die for this? Like, and, that, and that's not necessarily meant, I'm not trying to bring condemnation on anybody, but I am trying to wake us up to, to bring some evaluation to our lives. Like, we, we got we to gotta, we gotta stand up, church. We got to stand up. Oh, we got to start standing up and addressing the crowds. Like we can't, like we can't be okay. Like I can't, I'm not going I'm not going to say we, I cannot be okay any longer. Like living the way that I'm living. I can't do it because I look at this table right here, like what we're getting ready to celebrate. And I'm so thankful that he stood up. Like I'm so thankful elders, you guys can come on up and we're going to start preparing the Lord's supper. Like I'm so thankful that for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. Like I'm so thankful that he's in the garden and he said, God, not my will, but yours be done. Because honestly, here, here lately, it's been a lot of God, not your will, but mine be done. So I'm so, so thankful with this that he said yes. Right. So thankful that with this, I should do. Can you move that? Can you move, can you move that? So thankful that, like, like, this is sacrificial love right here. This is a love that said yes. He looked at me, he looked at you, and he said yes. It's worth it. They are worth it. Future, future billions of people in the future, they are worth, yes. They're worth me dying for. So as you come this morning, I want you just to I mean, just think like, you are worth it. You are worth him saying yes and standing up and enduring the cross. So if you have not done communion with us before, uh, we're going to have the elders that are going to be up here. Just come and, and take the elements and go back to your seat. And we're going to take it all together as a family. Amen. You guys come on up.